Good evening, and welcome to the Sleep with Josh podcast. It's the podcast where you sleep with Josh. I am comedian Josh Yang, and every episode I read various pieces of literature in my trademark monotone voice to help you drift off to sleep. Literature like the dictionary, laws, various manuals, the different terms of services that everyone agrees to but never really reads, and other random boring ideas. Today is Valentine's Day. Love is in the air. And what better way to celebrate the evening than by sleeping with Josh. As I read the Kama Sutra of Vatsyayana. Translated from its original Sanskrit text in seven parts. Contrary to popular belief, the Kama Sutra is not just a manual for sexual positions. It is more of a guide to the art of living well, the nature of love, finding a life partner, maintaining one's love life, and the many pleasure-oriented facilities of human life. But for now, we'll stick to the sex parts. If you find yourself enjoying this experience, please follow this podcast on your podcast player of choice and tell everyone you know that you sleep with Josh. Because at the end of the day, the more people that sleep with Josh, the better. You can also follow me across social media at Josh Yang Comedy. Now sit back, close your eyes, and get ready to feel the love tonight. Because you'll get tired or turned on by this podcast, guaranteed. The Kama Sutra of Vatyayana Translated from the Sanskrit in seven parts Starting with The part I think we're all most intrigued by Part two Of Sexual Union Chapter one 
kind of sexual union according to A. Dimensions B. Force of desire or passion C. Time Kinds of union Man is divided into three classes. The hare man, the bull man, and the horse man, according to the size of his lingam, which I'm assuming is his penis. Women, also, according to the depth of her yoni, is either a female deer, a mare, or a female elephant. There are thus three equal unions between persons of corresponding dimensions, and there are six unequal unions when the dimensions do not correspond, or nine in all as the following table shows. And I will read out. Equal table shows a combination of hare and deer, bull and mare, and horse and elephant. The unequal would be for men and women. Hare and mare, hare and elephant, bull and deer, bull and elephant, horse and deer, and horse and mare. In these unequal unions, when the male exceeds the female in point of size, his union with a woman who is immediately next to him in size is called high union and is of two kinds. While his union with the woman most remote from him in size is called the highest union and is of one kind only. On the other hand, when the female exceeds the male in point of size, her union with a man immediately next to her in size is called low union and is of two kinds, while her union with a man most remote from her in size is called the lowest union and is of one kind only. In other words, the horse and mare the bull and deer form the high union while the horse and deer form the highest union. On the female side, the elephant and bull, the mare and hare form low unions while the elephant and the hare make the lowest unions. There are then nine kinds of unions according to dimensions. Amongst all these, equal unions are the best. 
those of a superlative degree, i.e. the highest and the lowest are the worst, and the rest are middling, and with them the high are better than the low. There are also nine kinds of union according to the force of passion or carnal desire, as follows, men and women, small to small, middling to middling, intense to intense. And the other columns show men and women, small to middling, small to intense, middling to small, middling to intense, intense to small, and intense to middling, respectively. A man is called a man of small passion, whose desire at the time of sexual union is not great, whose semen is scanty, and who cannot bear the warm embraces of the female. Those who differ from this temperament are called men of middling passion, while those of intense passion are full of desire. In the same way, women are supposed to have the three degrees of feeling as specified above. Lastly, according to time, there are three kinds of men and women, the short-timed, the moderate-timed, and the long-timed. And of these, as in the three previous statements, there are nine kinds of union. But on this last head, there is a difference of opinion about the female, which should be stated. Adalika says, females do not emit as males do. The males simply remove their desire, while the females, from their consciousness of desire, feel a certain kind of pleasure, which gives them satisfaction. But it is impossible for them to tell you what kind of pleasure they feel. The fact from which this becomes evident is that males, when engaged in coition, cease of themselves after emission and are satisfied. But it is not so with females. This opinion is, however, objected to on the grounds that if a male be a long-timed, the female loves him the more, but if he be short-timed, she is dissatisfied with him. And this circumstance, some say, would prove that the female emits also. But this opinion does not hold good, for if it takes a long time to allay a woman's desire, and during this time she is enjoying great pleasure. It is quite natural then that she should wish for its continuation. And on this subject, there is a verse as follows. By union with men, the lust, desire, or passion of women is satisfied, 
and the pleasure derived from the consciousness of it is called their satisfaction. The followers of Babhravya, however, say that the semen of women continues to fall from the beginning of the sexual union to its end, and it is right that it should be so, for if they had no semen, there would be no embryo. To this there is an objection. In the beginning of coition, the passion of the woman is middling, and she cannot bear the vigorous thrust of her lover. But by degrees her passion increases until she ceases to think about her body. And then finally she wishes to stop from further coition. This objection, however, does not hold good. For even in ordinary things that revolve with great force, such as a potter's wheel or a top, we find that the motion at first is slow, but by degrees it becomes very rapid. In the same way the passion of the woman having gradually increased, she has a desire to discontinue coation. When all the semen has fallen away. And there is a verse with regard to this as follows. The fall of the semen of the man takes place only at the end of coation, while the semen of the woman falls continually. And after the semen of both has all fallen away, then they wish for the discontinuance of coition. Lastly, Vatsyayana is of opinion that the semen of the female falls in the same way as that of the male. Now some may ask here, if men and women are beings of the same kind and are engaged in bringing about the same result, why should they have different works to do? Vatsya says that this is so because the ways of working as well as the consciousness of pleasure in men and women are different. The difference in the ways of working by which men are the actors and women are the persons acted upon is owing to the nature of the male and the female. Otherwise, the actor would be sometimes the person acted upon, and vice versa. And from this difference in the ways of working follows the difference in the consciousness of pleasure. For a man thinks, this woman is united with me, and a woman thinks, I am united with this man. It may be said that if the ways of working in men and women are different, why should not there be a difference even in the pleasure they feel, and which is the result of those ways? But this objection is groundless, for the person acting and the person acted upon, being of different kinds, 
There is a reason for the difference in their ways of working. But there is no reason for any difference in the pleasure they feel, because they both naturally derive pleasure from the act they perform. On this again, some may say that when different persons are engaged in doing the same work, we find that they accomplish the same end or purpose. While, on the contrary, in the case of men and women, we find that each of them accomplishes his or her own end separately, and this is inconsistent. But this is a mistake, for we find that sometimes two things are done at the same time, as for instance in the fighting of rams. Both the rams receive the shock at the same time on their heads. Again, in throwing one wood apple against another. And also in a fight or struggle of wrestlers. If it be said that in these cases the things employed are of the same kind, it is answered that even in the case of men and women, the nature of the two persons is the same. And as the difference in their ways of working arises from the difference of their confirmation only. It follows that men experience the same kind of pleasure as women do. There is also a verse on this subject as follows. Men and women, being of the same nature, feel the same kind of pleasure. And therefore a man should marry such a woman as will love him ever afterwards. The pleasure of men and women being thus proved to be of the same kind, it follows that in regard to time, there are nine kinds of sexual intercourse, in the same way as there are nine kinds according to the force of passion. There being thus nine kinds of union with regard to dimensions, force of passion, and time, respectively, by making combinations of them, innumerable kinds of union would be produced. Therefore, in each particular kind of sexual union, men should use such means as they may think suitable for the occasion. At the first time of sexual union, the passion of the male is intense, and his time is short. But in subsequent unions, on the same day, the reverse of this is the case. With the female, however, it is the contrary. For at the first time her passion is weak, and then her time long. But on subsequent occasions, on the same day. Her passion is intense and her time short until her passion is satisfied. On the different kinds of love, men learned in the humanities are of opinion that love is of four kinds. One, love acquired by continual habit. Two, 
love resulting from the imagination. 3. Love resulting from belief. And 4. Love resulting from the perception of external objects. To further elaborate, 1. Love resulting from the constant and continual performance and habit, as for instance the love of sexual intercourse, the love of hunting, the love of drinking, the love of gambling, etc. 2. Love which is felt for things to which we are not habituated, and which proceeds entirely from ideas, is called love resulting from imagination. As for instance, that love which some men and women and eunuchs feel for the aparishtaka, or mouth congress, and that which is felt by all for such things as embracing, kissing, etc. 3. The love which is mutual on both sides and proves to be true when each looks upon the other as his or her very own. Such is called love resulting from belief by the learned. And four, the love resulting from the perception of eternal objects is quite evident and well known to the world because the pleasure which it affords is superior to the pleasure of the other kinds of love which exists only for its sake. What has been said in this chapter upon the subject of sexual union is sufficient for the learned. Is sufficient for the learned. But for the edification of the ignorant, the same will now be treated of at length and in detail. Which unfortunately will have to be left for the next podcast reading of the Kama Sutra. Congratulations. You've just slept with Josh. But if you're still awake, don't forget to follow this podcast on your podcast player of choice and tell everyone you know that you slept with Josh. Happy Valentine's Day. Good night.